Hey, I'm George, and you're listening to Future Mix Podcast. Minaihai is the creative outlet of percussionists and composers Zahns and Louise Anna Duggan. Together, they create a uniquely percussive take on contemporary instrumental music by blending mallets, piano, and bell-like textures with earthy drums and bubbling synths. The London-based musicians construct vivid soundscapes where the classical palette intersects with the world of groove and electronics. Successful players in their own right, Louise is the percussionist for Agnes Obel, and Zahns plays with Melt Yourself Down. Between them, they've worked with artists and ensembles ranging from the Royal Philharmonic to Lady Gaga. Their album Recaptures was released on March the 12th by Berlin label Unperceived. I spoke to Louise and Zahns about the vision behind the sound of Minaihai. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I guess we started writing for this project in mind, what you say, like three years ago? Yeah, three years. For, for a long time, for me personally, for a long time, I was just purely focused on playing percussion, playing drums. Didn't have a huge amount of interest in writing anything, to be honest. You know, I was very much like that kind of music college mentality of... Play Timpson in orchestra. Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> what I do. So Louise and I started writing more. It kind of came off the back of a, a pretty bad cycling accident I had which was probably about six, seven years ago now. Yeah. Uh, where I broke both of my arms. And, was and like, a wrist. And a wrist, just for good measure. And I was out of action for, I reckon, like four to five months. I couldn't play. So it was Louise who had done, when we were at Guildhall, Louise, you'd done quite a bit of sort of production stuff. Yeah, I, ju- I just took a few electives in electronic music. That's what they called it back then. Like it's this like <laughs> exotic thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I took like two electives in that and I loved it. And I thought it was really cool. Um, and yeah, because Zans didn't have much to do, I said, let's get logic and let's just muck around. And then we just started writing stuff. And then we did a few short films and things. And then, yeah, it kind of soon became apparent that it was something that we really wanted to just take forward and um, explore further. I was very excited to watch you do a live performance in which you got two other musicians to join you on stage. And that was a really nice way of visualizing it for the first time, because obviously this project, I first saw it over the first lockdown and there wasn't a lot of opportunity for performance then. How does it translate into a live setting? Yeah, it, it took quite a lot of work to realize it as in a live setting because the way we recorded it, we basically, we wrote out scores. So we were like super organized when we went into um, studio. We recorded at a place called Real World Studios in Box, which is an incredible studio. We So we had scores and then we basically like multi-tracked everything. And um, some of the tracks probably had up to like, I don't know, 25, 30 tracks going. So it was quite a mammoth task to then try and put that into a quartet setting. And we decided that we could have like an electronics player um, and then we could have a drummer and then basically like two tuned parts. So like piano and then effects and vibes and anything else that can kind of be triggered on MIDI and um, yeah we kind of worked it out that way Um, and yeah we're pleased I think the quartet kind of formula works really well for it. Yeah we were super lucky because the Arts Council started this new award called Developing Your Creative Practice that we applied for so we got funding to work on the live set and to sort of get a band in a room with an Ableton expert um, this guy called Scott Barnett, who's incredible. He's worked with the likes of sort of London Grammar and Stormzy and stuff. And we, we got sort of this amazing opportunity to spend time with him and with Jay and Kaylee, the other band members. 
and just kind of figure it out really. It's kind of cool setup because, you know, we're all playing live, but then Ableton is almost like the fifth musician and Ableton is sending MIDI to one of the synths, which is the, uh, the Novation Peak. Yeah, and then there's a really cool mm. thing like with my vocals, there's one track on the album called Hello Tools and I, I like multi-tracked all the vocals. There's probably like three or four parts going at any one time when it's like at its thickest point. And um, I just kept thinking, how am I going to perform that? I, you know, I don't want to sing to track, but then there's this amazing plugin that basically you can program in the MIDI of what your what the vocal parts are doing. You sing one of them and then it splits your voice into the exact harmonies that you want to sing. So um, yeah, it's like a kind of advanced vocoder kind of thing. It's pretty cool what Ableton can do. It's a, just a different animal, isn't it, to all the other DAWs? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember for, when I first looked at it and I just thought, I'd already bought it and I looked at it and I opened it up and I just thought, oh no, like, <laughs> yeah. this looks so radically different to, to, to Logic, Logic yeah. or to yeah. Pro Tools or whatever. And it just, <laughs> yeah. you mentioned the uh, Novation Peak as a, as a, as a synthesizer. Are you, are you big on the synths? Do you kind of collect? hardware synths and stuff. We're sort of in the process of uh, going down that very dangerous rabbit hole, you know. Like, <laughs> Expensive rabbit hole. Because uh, we always had synths, like the Arturia synths. It was actually when we were recording, um, they had, uh, at the studio, they had uh, one of these Novation Peaks. And it's just such an amazingly like hands-on and versatile instrument. And because it's got these sort of analog filters, uh, it's got this very kind of warm, sound which just fills a space that we kind of needed in amongst mm. the piano and the tune percussion. We used the, the studio's synth on the recording and actually Ollie, um, our producer, added quite a lot of those parts to the music. But ever since that we've, you know, we've got our own synth here and we just use it on basically everything. So we're trying to like just really maximise what we can get out of this one synth. Yeah, almost give ourselves like a, a limitation I suppose because we kind of view the Novation Peak the, the same kind of way that we view like a vibraphone or a piano in our group. So we, yeah, we just want to try and get as much as we can out of that. A lot of your music has a, at least recaptures on the whole, has a really kind of warm, it almost gave me a nostalgic kind of vibe listening to it. And there's a real warmth from that. And as you say, when you've got vibes and pianos, there's not a lot in the kind of percussion world, at least on the tuned front, that can really like give you kind of sub frequencies and sub energy in a really strong bass line. Of course, you've got marimbas that go down a long way, but that fundamental lowest note is really quite tricky to pick up in a kind of tuned percussion area, isn't it? Very yeah, much so, yeah, yeah. And I think we actually both had the same experience at college that we both played in um, percussion ensembles and um, both came to the same realisation that this particular set of instruments or like just sticking to percussion solely doesn't quite cut it sonically because you've got all these amazing colours but then you yeah you're missing this like meat to the sound. Sometimes I think people are quite dogmatic with percussion ensemble they just think okay it has to be just percussion but why not mix in some synths and why not mix in piano and I don't know we both just came to that same realization and just thought this has to be this has to be changed because um, 
yeah I just feel like if you listen to just purely percussion like if you're on Spotify and you're listening to tracks and then it's just purely percussion it does sound like there's something missing Lost Kano is all about, so we went to Japan on a holiday, I think in like 2018, and we went to this little seaside town, part of Japan that was not on the tourist trail at all. So we found this place called Takano, and um, it was, it's like a kind of seaside town where the, I think the main industry must be fishing, because there are like a hell of a lot of fishing boats and there's like seafood markets, and but it's incredibly small. And we walked around it and it was a really stormy day. So everything was shut. I think we probably like didn't see anyone else out the entire time. And there were just these like huge birds of prey circling above and the waves crashing into these like massive brutalist sea defenses. And we just thought it just had this incredible atmosphere to it. It was like a ghost town. So we thought it was quite an interesting concept to visit a place, but it's almost like apocalyptic in a sense. You go somewhere and there's like no one there. Mm. We also had a little uh, Zoom recorder with us that we, when we were in, uh, well, we take it most places we go to really. Uh, and often it, does, it doesn't come out of the bag, but when we were in uh, this town, we, we took a lot of kind of um, just audio recordings of the environment, you know, so just of the, the sea crashing against the sea defenses and the, the sounds of the the birds, the, the and birds, and the sort of the wind rustling through the trees. So we just, not that it made its way into the track, but we had quite a nice record of this day through the photos and the and those kind of uh, on location recordings. What's the the kind of pulse coming from the the untuned stuff there? What are you using for the? Because it's got a it's got a strong kind of. Yeah, that's quite interesting. So that was the groove was built from the dulcimer. So it was just creating percussive sounds from hitting different parts of the dulcimer because it's it's got this amazing um, natural reverb to it. We didn't have to add any reverb, but yeah, we just kind of created nice sounds from that. And even the bass drum sound is actually a pitch down version of dulcimer. The, me hitting the dulcimer in mm. a certain place. Mm. Yeah. the dulcimer. Can you just explain what that instrument is? It's essentially like a piece of wood <laughs> with loads of strings stretched across it and they're double strings so each note has two strings so you get this kind of like antique sound because the, they're tuned slightly differently. You can never tune them like completely perfectly and you hit the strings with like these tiny little hammers. So it's very suited to a percussionist because it's very similar to playing, say, a snare drum, because if you want to get that kind of like tremolo sound, it's like playing a snare drum roll. And we just love the sound of it. It's kind of used in a lot of folk music and it's associated with a lot of early music stuff because it's essentially a really old school piano because it's basically what a piano is without the automation, so without the automated hammers. So you're essentially becoming the mechanism of the piano. Zons has these um, these uh, Zildjian choir symbols. I don't know exactly what they're called, but uh, the, the ones with holes in them. Yeah. And we like we record them all the time because they sound electronic. Mm. And um, if you play the hi hats, they just have this like very glitchy kind of like uh, electronic produced sound because it's very um, 
consistent when you hit them. Oh wow! Because they they are designed not to go above a certain like decibel point or something. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We love we love the sound of those cymbals, so we've got them in like quite a lot of our tracks. I think. Mm. That kind of stuff I love to hear about people mm. using things for not their intended purpose and totally and just finding something new yeah. that works. Yeah, and I think also you know it's just cool to lean into like your kind of like niche skills and sound world. Like between Louise and I, we've we've you know with the dulcimer and sort of like random sort of hand percussion techniques uh, and a really weird collection of instruments that we've <laughs> got. You know, we've got like this kind of this really one-off palette of sounds. So it would seem weird to me to then go to the studio and set up a you know a three-piece drum kit in that way. We were trying to film a a music video for our second track that came out, which was called Hallowed Halls. And uh, we ridiculously decided to like film a music video in our flat, um, <laughs> quite ambitious. And then we realized like, oh, we don't have like an upright piano here. So we need some kind of keyboard instrument. And then we just thought, okay, let's hire a Celeste. <laughs> yeah, so we had a Celeste in our house for like three days and we recorded the music video for that, uh, for Hallowed Halls. And then we thought, okay, whilst we've got the Celeste here, why don't we, see if we can put it on any other tracks. And um, there's like a piano melody at the beginning of Lost Kano and um, I just thought, oh, just as just so we've got it, let's do an alternative take of that on the Celeste. Um, and in the end, we actually just went with overlaying the Celeste like uh, just underneath the piano. So it sounds like a piano, but it's like a piano with a mystical edge to it. That's very cool. Yeah, it, it has a lovely kind of shimmery texture, I think is how I'd describe it. it. It feels like it's, well, maybe it has been, but it feels like it's been fed through like a shimmering reverb. So like yes. it, it almost has it that has, kind yeah. of yeah. octave, yeah. like the octave up, it's really, really resonating in there. That's yes. a really nice sound. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's also a cool sound because I think it's like, it's similar to a Glock, but it's, it's kind of duller than a Glock. So it doesn't have that horrifically cheesy, you know, if, if, we, if we recorded that on a Glock, it would just be like, cheese on toast so yeah yeah <laughs> the celeste is preferable the way we did lost Kano because we did it in lockdown was quite different like we didn't go to a studio we did it all in our house because of that the piano was recorded by a good friend of ours called james maloney uh, who's an amazing composer in his own right he very kindly made some made all the piano recordings for lost Kano. we don't have a real upright in our flat so yeah, we outsourced the piano for that one track and we're really glad we did because he added something really nice to the track and uh, yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, because so when you listen to it, you can hear the pedal creaking and you know, you, you can hear, you can almost hear the hammers sort of moving and things like that. So that adds a, a lot of warmth, I think, to, to the track. Mm. Yeah, really nice to have that, isn't it? Mm. There's so many like perfect grand piano libraries out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're almost too just, clean, though, aren't they? Like, yeah, yeah, it's too easy to get them, and they, and they sound too good. Yeah. Whereas you, thing, if you yeah. find an instrument with real character to it and some kind of quirkiness in there, definitely, yeah. um, it's definitely gonna gonna work. Well, it's mm -hmm. kind of funny because when we did the rest of the when we were recording the other piano parts at Real World, 
they've got this amazing Bosendorfer grand, which we did use a bit, but in the corner they had this kind of sort of old honky tonk that was slightly out of tune. And I think that probably made its way onto more of the more of the final takes, mm. uh, just because it, again it's just got that kind of. It sounded darker, didn't it? it just yeah, had that dark edge, and it was cool. So you might probably won't hear it when you, when you listen to the track, but there is quite a lot of my voice in there, but pitched like really low um, and kind of treated almost like a synth. So we wanted the synth sounds to kind of sound almost like they're slightly breathing. Um, so yeah, mixed underneath um, the synths, we've got some of my voice, but it's very disguised. You really wouldn't know unless, unless I told you. Which you just did. Which I just did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you do a lot of that, hiding little bits of your own vocals in there, just so you, not just so you can say you have, but just so you can kind of, there's just an extra tiny little layer going on in there. Do you do yeah, a lot of that? Yeah, I think, I think it does like uh, subconsciously kind of give it uh, more of a human feel. And yeah, I don't know, maybe it, people can't actually like palpably feel that, but it's nice to know that, I don't know, it's almost like putting more of your own footprint into something if it's like something that can't be recreated on a computer or... Zans, do you ever sing? Uh, not in this, I don't think I have at all in this band so far. I no. mean, you know, Louise sings a lot anyway in her gig with Agnes Obel. She does a lot of sort of singing in front of lots of people. She's a lot more confident than I am. So yeah, we kind of, I think we utilise Louise's much better tuning and... Yeah, I don't think people want to hear my voice, basically. <laughs> um, but we do, just talking about that with the pitching down, like that's something that, again, it's like kind of leading into potentially maybe some of our limitations in that we're not, it's not like we've got like loads of sort of Waves plugins here at our home studio or anything like that. We use a lot of the kind of um, the effects that are just built into Logic uh, when we're creating things. So one of the things we do on so many tracks is just pitch stuff down a couple of octaves you know there's just a mm. plug-in on, on logic to do that uh and we just that's kind of one, one of our first points of call like if we if i play a drum groove in it'll be like right let's hear that down two octaves and yeah doing, it just doing suddenly this, sounds massive when you do that and yeah and doing cool. the same with yeah. louise's voice as well can often yeah. create really interesting results you can really when you start to shift pitch things down and you play with like the formant shift of stuff and you can get like crazy textures just from just yeah. from moving something an octave down and then maybe yeah, yeah. flipping the formant or something like that. And you yeah. can just you can just create like absolutely terrifying sounds yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, through that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, does any of your music just turn into like noise or like droney kind of funnily enough, I think some of our new stuff we're experimenting now with using Ableton to write our new music. You know, we're we're working on a whole bunch of new tracks now. And yeah, for that very reason, like using sort of some of those Ableton uh, audio effects is creating some really interesting results. And it seems to be just about, you have to be quite careful with how you use them and like reining it yeah. in, in a bit more. And we're gonna use, you know, our next output to, to really delve into to the possibilities of Ableton even mm. further.
A lot of the pieces in the album are like snapshots of different experiences that we've had or sort of times in our lives or, what, or you know, things that we've experienced together. But Three Portals is a bit different because it's, it's almost like a collage of lots of different pieces that we started. And, you know, for example, there's, there's the middle section of that, which is what we refer to as the second portal, which was- That came first, didn't it? Yeah, that was probably the starting point of the piece. It was just like a little idea that one of us, I don't know who, wrote on the piano. Um, and then we sort of built some other fragments around it. So yeah, we kind of treated this piece, particularly because it was the last track on the album, as like the really experimental one. And actually the narrative of it was superimposed after. So we had this middle section, we added this first section, and then I think one day I was just messing around and I thought to balance it out, it would be really nice to have a third section. And then I was just like looking at, you know, the three different parts and I thought they're really different and distinctive in their style. And I thought that they represented the past, the present and the future. And that's why I call it three portals. So the first portal is basically like, it just trips over itself. It's just like a ton of pianos, vibraphones, just rolling and going through. I think we recorded on scratch tape and all sorts of stuff. And it just builds up and it's um, just basically a wash of sound. And I thought it just sounds like an echo of like something in the past. It's like, you know, it's almost just like an impression. And then the middle bit is very much structured. It's very up and close in the sense that it's mic'd a lot more closely and it feels intimate and it feels like you're very like present with that sound. So that's like present. And then the third section has all these like ridiculous ghostly vocals and tubular bells and it's almost like celestial in its nature. So I was, to me, it represents like past, present and future. And then that's why we called it Three Portals. We just thought it's like moving through time and it was quite a cool concept for it. I heard this, uh, it's like a tom roll, isn't it? Just some kind of really like low rumbling energy. Yeah, well that is actually, um, I think there are a few, there are a couple of floor toms on that on that as well, but the main essence of that sound is it's, it's a Brazilian surdo drum, uh, really close mic'd, mic'd from the top, mic'd from the bottom, just the most ridiculously subby sound. Yeah, it's usually really hard to mic, but Oli, our engineer and producer, was like, you know, totally on it, obviously, um, and just got this ridiculous depth. And I remember saying to him, he laughed at me because I said, this first section, it needs to feel like the leftover energy from the Big Bang. <laughs> and he was just like, okay. <laughs> and uh, I think he achieved it. I really do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, having that drum in there just gives it the, the body that it needs. Percussion instruments are inherently, well, it's, it's impossible to to create a long note on a percussion instrument, isn't it? Because you hit it and then that's yeah, that's yeah. it. But because of the method you have to use to create a sustained sound, the more you kind of layer onto that, it has this really kind of lovely dreamy aspect to yeah. it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. and uh, we kind of made sure that we, we, we had loose chords that we were changing to, uh, so we kind of knew where the harmonies were going, but we made sure that- There was a bit of crossover. There was crossover and things, you know, the harmony, you know, like if I was playing a vibraphone, I just might, stay on a chord for just a bit longer whilst Louise changed a couple of seconds earlier. So it's, we just wanted to make it this kind of like, all, like a hum. For yeah, that and, it's, and it's interesting because like, it's almost like 
the result came about half through the instruments, you know, layering up loads of instruments like physically, but then like there's so much you can do in production to make it sound like basically like a pad or like a wash or so yeah, it was very much like leaning into both elements in equal measures, I think. This was one of the tracks where a lot of the ideas came together in the studio and the track just almost became something completely different. Yeah, it really was quite a skeleton score, wasn't it? Um, yeah. That we went in with. And we were a bit nervous about it because all the other ones we knew exactly what needed to be recorded, but we got, I think this was probably the last one we recorded and we just said, right, let's just muck around and see what we can make out of this. And it was a bit risky because, you know, you're paying money to be in a studio and it might not have worked out. It might have been really rubbish, but it turned out really cool. And um, Ollie had this idea. He said, oh, you know, to make it sound quite antique at the beginning, let's record the piano and then get some tape, scratch it, then record it back onto the tape. And you, it really sounds like, you know, the, the sound waves are going up and down. It sounds like really almost distorted and going in and out of pitch and just out of this amazing energy to it that we wouldn't have thought of doing at all. When we get to the, the last section, the future, mm -hmm. it's very moving. Again, when, when the vocals come in and we've had the tubular bells and everything, I find that's a very powerful kind of combination to end on and the way it just kind of drifts away. Like it's very, very powerful and very, very moving. Well, there was something really freeing about doing it because we always knew it was going to be the last track of the album. And we kind of just always thought, okay, let's just, we're just going to write something very much for us and very, you know, very personal to us. Yeah. People might not listen to it. It's not going to be a single that's for sure so it kind of gave us that freedom just to get really impressionistic with it and the funny thing is is that now a lot of people say it's their favorite track yeah uh, i think that last section was very much especially the vocals were very much inspired by one of my favorite moments in music um which is in, in holsts the planet suite neptune the mystic at the end there's like a offstage choir and to me that feels like the most like otherworldly piece of music that exists and I, I didn't want to recreate that, but I wanted to capture some of that kind of magic because when I first heard that piece, I just thought it was the most incredible thing ever. And I wanted it to have that otherworldly feel to it. Thank you to Louise and Zanz for joining me on Future Mix Podcast. You can buy or stream Manaihai's new album, Recaptures, and go give them a follow on their socials. Thank you also to every listener of the show. We'll be back soon with brand new episodes. Until next time, stay healthy.